I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Sinanto Walker and we are here for another roundtable discussion with Dr. Paul Meyer and we also have Grant Davis joining us as well. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, how you doing? Good evening. (laughs) So tonight we're going to talk about depression and medication and we're going to take a few different tacks we've talked about this before but we haven't really talked about it in the way that we're going to talk about it tonight and we haven't really addressed um, treatment resistant meaning medication um, people that have depression in there resistant to all kinds of medications that have been tried and what the reasons might be and what can be done to help that process. But first, we're going to kick things off with you, Dr. Meyer. Please, Paul, go right ahead into this discussion. Okay. Well, um, we see, like I said, we see about a thousand uh, patients a day at our Meyer clinics around the country, and uh, about half of them are probably for depression. And um, and the majority of them, the, the vast majority of the people that come here with depression uh, don't even get meds. Uh, they get uh, counseling to overcome it. But it's but if their if their depression is uh, um, yeah, there's two two types of clients that need to see like Grant and I, you know, for uh, medication. Uh, you know, one type are those who have uh, genetic problems, uh, like like uh, some people inherit depression and it comes and goes or they just have it from birth on or uh, they may have bipolar or different kinds of genetic depression and uh, they get depressed even out of the blue when things are going well and, and they need uh, to get on meds and, and stay on them the rest of their lives and some people are just going through a temporary depression um, but it's severe enough where they're missing work or missing school if they're in uh, high school or college or and um, and they just feel or they feel suicidal and uh and they don't want to do that and they want to get some help and uh and and so we can help them um usually within a month to feel uh, an awful lot better and grant's going to talk about different medications because he's our expert here at this clinic in dallas and and, uh well he is (laughs) he is i i I knock on his door about twice a week or more and uh uh, but anyway uh so uh, some people need meds to overcome the severe depression they're going through even if it's due to stress and 
in repressed anger or whatever is causing it. And, uh, and then they can get off their medications uh, uh, later, um, you know, maybe six months later or something like that, uh, unless they've had, you know, recurrent depressions, then, then they ought to stay on them. So I just wanted to say that first, that not everybody that gets depressed needs meds. And uh, nutrition can help, too. Um, the, the, one of the books I wrote is Blue Genes, G-E-N-E-S. And in, uh, I think it's Chapter 10 in there, there's a nutrition chapter that tells which foods uh, will build up each of the main happy chemicals. That's why it's called blue genes, you know, genes that make you blue. Um, mm. But, but, uh, but the, there's different foods that will help uh, build up some of the chemicals, but they, all by itself, it, it only uh, will help uh, real mild uh, depression, but it'll still, it's still helpful to eat the right things so the medications have something to hold on to. So there, well, that's I my introduction. I know because of you, I eat a heck of a lot more bananas. <laughs> bananas are uh, the best mental health food you can eat. If, for those who haven't heard me say that before, you know, it's got a lot of tryptophan in it. It's got B6. Tryptophan turns into serotonin, and serotonin in your brain is what gives you love, joy, peace, patience, uh, good sleep. And uh, it gives you the fruit of the spirit, as the Bible says. So um, you never see a depressed monkey. <laughs> They're always hugging each other and pulling each other's hair out. I mean, you know, I mean, cleaning each other's hair and things like that. <laughs> right, exactly. Banana. The pulling each other's hair out is a whole other. That's <laughs> they're not pulling each other's hair out. They're, they're cleaning each other's hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even when I don't want to eat a banana, I'm like, oh, I can't eat another bite of this banana. But Paul says it's good for my serotonin. So. <laughs> I, I eat about one a day. <laughs> So Grant, what do you say about about this piece and the whole, you know, some medic some of it is yeah. medication and some of it, you know, how do you make that determination when you're with a Absolutely. patient? Absolutely. I think I a number of things can cause depression. You know, genetic causes something awful can happen in life and and it can be situational, but where we talk about whether something situational genetic when it really significantly starts to interfere with your daily functioning. So that's where we really talk about medicines, usually in conjunction with therapy. But, um, you know, when you're not making it to work because you're so depressed, you can't, you're not making it to school, you're not doing things around the house and not just, you know, oh, I didn't feel like doing this today, but, you know, consistently a pattern of, you know, really getting behind in, in things in life and, and the functioning is just so, so, you know, interfered with that that's when we, when it's strongly we say hey we recommend some medication and in conjunction with therapy when it's those situational things and, and the reason we did it you know there's a, a lot of literature out there that shows that therapy can cause kind of some of the same neurochemical changes that medicines do it's mm -hmm. a book called the neuroscience of psychotherapy the problem is that that can take a long time and yeah. medicine can work relatively quickly now quickly not you know a, a day but we, you know, a couple of weeks as opposed to months, years that it can take sometimes for, for the psychotherapy to really make the changes. And then sometimes people are just so depressed that, that therapy initially is just not going to make a significant change because they get, can get so stuck in their thought patterns. Depression is really good about making it very hard to interpret things and to understand mm -hmm. things super clearly. And so that's when I would say we, we start a medicine when it's really interfering with somebody's day-to-day. 
um, and just help them give them that boost so that they can get more out of therapy, so that they can keep their job, keep good grades in school, enjoy things, prevent suicidal thoughts, that type of thing. So one more thing is that uh, when people do come here um, to our uh, Dallas clinic and they, or to one of our other clinics, if they're, uh, like Grant said, if, if they're too depressed to, to function adequately, then we put them on meds. But if they're so depressed that they have suicidal thoughts that they're, you know, that they're afraid of or, and, uh, or they just can't um, function at all, you know, they can't go to work or, um, or they just want to get well quick and get back in the grind um, quickly, then they come to our day program where they stay, if they're out from out of town, they stay in a hotel and they come right here to our outpatient clinic and, and uh, they come for about seven hours a day of intensive therapy. And then uh, I, I do the workup to evaluate them to see what I think the diagnoses are and, and sort of come up with a plan. And, and then uh, Grant uh, Davis here on, on, on the podcast with us, uh, Grant sees them every single day while they're there to um, adjust their meds and add his, his uh, piece to them and, and um, see how they're doing, seeing if they're having any side effects. So by seeing them every single day by Grant and then seeing, a, uh, seeing therapists, multiple therapists every day, they, we pile like, it, we, we pile like six to nine months worth of therapy into three weeks. And it's just, ama- it's <laughs> just amazing how dramatically improved they are three weeks later. I mean, they're ready to go back to work. They're feeling good. They're doing great. Too, yeah. I always felt like too, that, you know, when you're so depressed that you, you're, I mean, your thought processes are so out of whack. I know I've been there myself that the medication actually helps clear that up so that I can actually do the work of therapy. That's right. Absolutely. So, you know, if someone said to me in the worst of the times that I've been depressed, well, you need to do these breathing exercises. I want you to write down your thought. I would look at them like, are you kidding me? Like I can barely brush my teeth and I don't want to get out of bed. Like, forget it. Nothing yeah. you're saying is going to help me. But the medication, once it starts doing its work, even if it's not the perfect one for me, we're still figuring that out. It still is enough to where I'm like, okay, I can, I actually have the cognitive functioning to do some of the things that are being asked of me in order to improve what's going on with me depression wise. We can usually get people to, to feel better than they've ever felt in their lives. I had a patient tell me that this week that uh, one month ago, you know, I saw her and, uh, and she was having all sorts of obsessive compulsive things, which can also come with, with, you know, people who are prone to depression often also inherit some OCD traits, but she had panic attacks uh, uh, every few days and she was, you know, she had death wishes and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but she couldn't come in the day program. And, but I, I put her on some really good meds and she came back and said, this is the best she ever felt. And um, mm-hmm. so it, it's real rewarding. I love doing what I, what I'm doing, but you're, you're right, Kristen, that when you're in the middle of it, like, We've got, you know, thousands of people listening to us right now in our listening family. And for those of you who are listening, if we, uh, if everybody listening and including, uh, uh, Grant and Kristen and I injected, injected ourselves with something that depleted our serotonin right away, we'd all be really depressed. And, <laughs> and we'd, and we'd, it would be like having dog doo doo on your glasses. You know, when you looked out 
everything would look like dog doo doo, you know, and, and you'd feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. When your when your serotonin's low, you feel like I, I'm never going to get over this. You just can't believe anybody that tells you you're going to get over it, and because uh, it just seems like it's going to be painful the rest of my life. I'm never going to get over it, and that's why it's so sad that uh, so many people who are severely depressed commit suicide because if they uh, if they could have got treated, you know, then a few weeks later or a month later, they would have felt great and looked back and said, I can't believe I almost did that. In fact, there was a study done. There was a study done of people that wanted, uh, that were requesting assisted suicide because they'd been suicidal so long that they, in, in, I guess it's Oregon. There's one state where you can get that. Yep. It is Uh, Oregon. And so so they got a bunch of people that were waiting in line for assisted suicide and, and got them to agree to, to try, uh, treatment first, and then if you know if they still want to do that, then then uh, you know there's nothing anybody could do about it. And 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 the majority of them, um, I don't remember what percent, but it was like 65 or 70 percent of them got well and, and said, I can't believe I almost did that. Right. So how do you handle um, Grant? How do you handle when you've tried everything and it just you know, isn't working medication wise with a patient, what are some of the things that, you know, that you look at some of the other things that you look at that might be going on? Very good question. So um, if we've tried several antidepressants, and when I say several, if we've tried maybe, or or if someone comes in, let's say, and and maybe they're new to me, but they have, they tell me per report, I've tried XYZ drug and it has not helped. So let's say three or more then I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend getting the genetic testing done, um, mm. which swab in the mouth and what it does is it shows how um, if there's any genetic reason why a person does not process a medicine well. That does not guarantee effect. It doesn't guarantee there won't be side effects, but it, there are some strong things that show um, where there can be genetic variations in the way we process medicines. One of the There's two that can play a very significant role there's um, a serotonin transporter gene, SLC684, in the brain where people can have genetic variations in that. And what that, what that gene is responsible for is transporting serotonin. So if you have a genetic variation in your ability and your brain's ability to transport serotonin, regular SSRI antidepressants, so Prozac, Zoloft, Fluvoxamine, Lexapro, Paxil, are not going to work as well. So that's a highlight. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we get that, we need to try an SNRI. There's another gene called the MTHFR. Um, let, let, let me put in just a second. Let me put yeah. in just a second. Uh, for those listening, in an in, in SNRI, an SSRI means a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor in it, and that blocks just the uh, reuptake of serotonin, so it allows it to accumulate in your brain so that you do have joy. And an SNRI is a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. And I don't, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed with uh, this, all the science, science here, but, but it, it helps you hang on to two chemicals, the serotonin that gives you the love, joy, peace, and good sleep, but also norepinephrine that gives you joy, but also gives you more uh, focus, concentration, energy, motivation. It gives you more zippity doo die in your life. So, uh, mm-hmm. it, and like Grant was saying, the genetic test will show whether you do better on a SSRI or an SNRI. So I just wanted to explain what that was. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, there's another gene uh, or an enzyme that MTHFR is responsible for converting folic acid into um, L-methylfolate, which L-methylfolate is responsible for getting up to the brain 
and creating serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine that these medicines use. And so sometimes we'll find that people don't convert folic acid very well. And what that means, they could go take all the over-the-counter folic acid that they want, but that's not the problem. They don't convert it. And so you need to supplement with an L-methylfolate supplement, which makes sure that the yep. brain is creating enough of these neurotransmitters for the medication. And that's to almost half. Isn't that almost half of the population? Uh, uh, not quite. A third? Not quite half. But yeah, probably, yeah, 30-something 30, 30 percent, 33, 35. 30%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, but that can right. make a huge right. difference. Make a huge difference just even adding that supplement in. Um, but, you know, I'll go to that and I start questioning whether we have the right diagnosis. Maybe this person's really bipolar. They don't have a lot of insight into when they're manic. And so getting um, collaboration from a family member or something, or, or just even just exploring different classes of medicines and seeing, you know, maybe it's something else is going on. But there, there's a lot of different things that we can do to kind of figure out why someone is not responding to medications. What about other, you know, outside treatments? There are people that I have heard that say, you know, they've they've tried ECT, uh, TMS, uh, um, ketamine, you know, and, and that nothing, including med different medications, just you know, have not have not worked for them. Um, yeah, sometimes I've felt like they're um, very, very, very sensitive in terms of physically they're very sensitive and so the side effects are unbearable yeah. um, to them and and with other people they'll deal with some side effects in order to feel you know right absolutely but i'm not the you know the clinician here so what are your thoughts yeah. on that you, you know my hope when i tell anybody if they're if they're drug naive and they've never been on anything i say i hope that you do not feel this medicine i don't want you to know you're taking anything should not mm -hmm. feel it, should not give you a chemical euphoria or anything like that. You just start to notice that the depression just starts to fade away when you're on the right drug. My hope is that you don't have any side effects. Sometimes that's not always possible. If they haven't been on too many medicines, I will try and switch and find a drug that is side effect free. If we have done multiple drugs and we finally felt that we've had some improvement, but we are having side effects, then what we Sometimes you never want to have to add a medication to minimize side effects, but sometimes that happens. I know that right. sometimes these some antidepressants can cause night sweats and make you sweat a whole lot at night, And but it's worked great. And so it's like, oh, I don't want to change the drug. Well, sometimes there's some medicines that we can add that can help take night sweats away. So sometimes we um, add another medicine with minimal side effects to see if we can get rid of one really don't like doing that. That is right. more on the last resort, but there are options with that. It, and it depends on, you know, some of these cause sexual side effects. There are some a medicine on the market called Trentilix, which is really marketed in, in neuro, um, cannot cause sexual side effects. Like the way that it works chemically, it's just, that's not mm -hmm. going to be a side effect that you have. Um, and so there, there are ways around that depending on the side effect and how many medicines they've tried, what the side effect is. Um, and then some of it's drowsy. Well, I, you, you move that one to nighttime, take it at night. If it's right. really activating, you take it in the morning, take it with, you know, there's different things we can, the, the biggest thing is just tell, tell the clinician, tell whoever you're saying about the side effect. Um, and if you're seeing somebody good, they'll listen to you and they'll, and they'll try to help you work through it. Sometimes it's changing the meds. Sometimes it's just trying to figure out a, a different way to take it. Right. 
Right, I'd exactly. Say, I'd, say, I'd say the vast majority of people um, that I put on antidepressants don't have any side effects. Yeah, you know, very, I, yeah. You know, it seems like 90% don't probably. Yeah, it's very rare. 10%, 10% do. Yeah. Yeah. And when yeah, they do, sometimes it's just temporary. Like I tell them, yeah. you know, when you start this, you may have a little bit of nausea, but uh, it'll go away after a few days. Just keep taking it until it goes away. And, uh, and for example, that's one. If they have a medicine that works great, but they have sexual side effects, sometimes, like, like Grant said, you can add another medicine. I, I'd add Wellbutrin to it, sure. which is a different kind of antidepressant. It doesn't make you want sex more. But it helps people to perform better and enjoy it more. And and when they take it with um, uh, a, an antidepressant that happens to be blocking their ability to enjoy sex, then then that uh, often corrects it. And uh, another thing, you you see these ads on TV for Abilify or Rexalti or Raylar or these these atypical. They're really antipsychotics, but we use them for a lot of different things. But the ads are really true. Where it says, "Are you stuck in your depression?" Add this to your antidepressant, and you'll get unstuck. And it, mm. it doesn't work 100% of the time. But if I have somebody that, you know, they've tried a number of antidepressants, and the one that that they're trying right now, they feel pretty good, but not great, you know. Then, uh, then uh, I, I can add like two milligram. The normal dose of Abilify is 15 or 20 milligrams, and I can add two milligrams of Abilify, and and a week later, they they usually will feel really really good. Those those medicines can be life changing. Yes, (laughs) I know from personal experience, the combination of Pristique and Wellbutrin is awesome for me. But, you know, it's so funny um, just for our listeners that I know like to hear from the patient side of things when you're talking about, you know, sexual side effects and things like that. I'm thinking, you know, in my worst depression, that was the last thing I cared about. So I would have chosen (laughs) (laughs) well over anything to do with sex. Oh. Send a message to your to your husband that so you wouldn't want it. You know, wouldn't want any sex, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Leave me alone. I'm working on getting well. <laughs> but I yeah. wanna I wanna I wanna say another thing for uh um Grant mentioned that folic acid, the important the importance of that working right. And really it, it's about a third of people that it doesn't uh work right. And uh if you're interested uh, I'm going to give you a website where you can get it over the counter. It used to, yeah. You used to have to have to pres- a prescription, but now you can get uh, methylfolate, and this is a really good uh, um, product. And uh, and, and I'm, I don't get paid by them; they don't even know I exist, you know. <laughs> but uh, you go to www.methylpro m e t h y l p r o dot com www.methylpro.com and uh, and it costs uh, seventy five dollars I think for ninety capsules so that would last you three months you just take one a day and uh, if you do happen to be in that third one third of people who have that that genetic uh, uh, problem then that can make a big difference in your uh-huh. well being by itself. Interesting. I was, if you heard me clicking, it was me going to that website. Interesting. I, okay. I would, I, I take that every day. I take that every day just for the heck of it. <laughs> yeah, some, some things. I don't know um, if I can get any happier. I don't know if I can get any happier. <laughs> <laughs> some things I think, well, for me, honestly, the um, Vivance, I've been taking it now. I don't know how long we've been, I, I guess maybe I've been taking it five weeks or four weeks now. And, um, 
that's helped me in terms of feeling happier. Um, it doesn't, it's not like a stimulant in terms of happy, happiness things, but it, it helps me feel happier because I, I'm more productive. So I feel satisfied at the end of a day that, you know, I just was able to get so much more done. And I felt like I had command of my actions. Whereas when I'm not taking it, I'm so foggy brained that I, you know, there's a lot of shame and what's wrong with me and da, 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 that that's my own internal dialogue that doesn't exist when I'm taking Vyvanse. So there's, okay. I think there's a lot to be said for other things too. Like you said, Grant, that maybe taking um, rent in your head that uh, maybe isn't well, related to depression. That's a big one right there is if, um, you know, we were dealing with depression, but maybe they have an undiagnosed ADHD problem. Yeah. Until we address all the issues, it's not going to all come together because there is a lot of shame. There's a lot of specifically if, if it's adult ADHD that's been present since childhood and has never yes. been addressed. You think yep. about the type of chronic low, uh, I don't mean that in a mean way, but underperforming and just yes. constantly flying by the seat of your pants and barely getting anything <laughs> done and throwing something together last minute. And you're like, oh, are you talking about me? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> but, but when you finally address that, it can make all the difference in the world. And, and maybe oh, there yeah. is a primary depression problem. Sometimes right. I see people with ADHD all the time that would, would classify as depression, but the root of the problem is ADHD. And when you treat yeah. that, you see the mood skyrocket because it's absolutely yeah. It, it's it's about getting oh oh my gosh I I didn't I didn't go to bed with eight things on my plate that I didn't get done today and and the to, to add to what I got to do tomorrow and oh uh, you know all these things that can oh and just the I'm not dumb <laughs> exactly I mean I feel like I've I've lived such a Herculean effort. Mm -hmm. um, before this diagnosis to, to be able to get as much as I have been able to accomplish accomplished that now that I know what this is, I, I actually had a weekend a couple right. weeks ago where I had to do this incredible amount of work and I didn't have any of the shame that I've always put on myself that, you know, I, I got work like that done in the past. It wasn't that I didn't get it done. It's just that it took so much more emotional effort and energy and I was grumpy and angry and you know other things that came into play at ha at my inability to get it done as quickly as I wanted to that now that it's under treatment I actually for the first time Paul this will make you laugh but seriously at 48 years old for the first time in my entire life that weekend I went I'm actually a smart person I've <laughs> never felt that now. way <laughs> I've I just never felt like that. I never felt like I really was, you know, intrinsically a smart and, you know, person. And so I went, wow, this is what it feels like to have that kind of self-worth. And that I attribute to the correct diagnosis. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. 
And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Yeah. And, and, and what's cool uh, for people, my clients to know and for the people listening to us right now, is that um, if you take an ADD medicine, it just helps you to be how you would have been yes. all along if you wouldn't have inherited ADD. You would have been a lot uh, smarter and remembered things better and, and more organized and, and done your term paper when you got it assigned instead of waiting till the last minute and all that sort of thing. And, and when you're on an antidepressant, people have this false notion that it's a happy pill that, you know, if you take no. an antidepressant, yeah. I, I had a patient ask me that today. And I said, no, it just, all it does is, uh, you know, in the, in the case of this patient today, uh, he inherited um, a low serotonin level. And I said, uh, so you've lived all your life with a low serotonin level. And so you've had a degree of depression all your life. And then sometimes you get serious. And on the antidepressant, now you feel great. And it's not because you're taking a happy pill. It's just, it helps you hang on to your serotonin. So it's the level it would have been your whole life mm. if you wouldn't have inherited reuptake sites that sucked up too much. And so it helps you. What you're like on a good antidepressant that works for you is the real you. That's yeah. It's not the real you that's perfectionistic and depressed and negativistic and catastrophic uh, all your life. That's that's the real you my, uh, without serotonin. But uh, when, when you get on a good antidepressant, then you find out what the real you is really like. The real you is almost always a lot better than than uh, the, the you know the one that has a genetic problem that isn't treating it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what is it like when you, you know, with the that you both have seen? I'd love to hear some examples of of people that you've seen over the years where maybe they were very resistant. They had their stigma around you know medication, and and they finally just took the plunge and did it. And you see their entire life change how give us some examples of of what that looks like from the clinical person sitting there helping this person have that kind of life okay this it's uh I, that's why i love my job i i mean being a psychiatrist i didn't love it as much 40 years ago as i do now because you know medical knowledge doubles every five years so mm. we didn't have very many good meds back then they had a lot more side effects didn't work as good now it's just amazing, you know, we can get somebody that's uh, delusional and hearing voices and thinking they're Jesus, and, and I put them on an antipsychotic dopamine medicine, and in eight days, they're back to normal, and they, you know, they can't believe what they believed, but um, I've, I've had patients who um, were, uh, that had OCD, I love, I love uh, OCD patients, not everybody does, because <laughs> uh, if you give them an empty pill, they have a side effect from it. Uh, they, 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 they're afraid the medicine's going to make them lose control. Yes. And so, and they don't, in, in reality, it gives them control over their lives, but they're scared to death of medicine because they're getting it handed to them by a, an authority figure. And they don't, you know, they, they have a hard time trusting authority figures and, and they may have, you know, perfect childhoods and, and nobody has a perfect childhood, but they may have had very normal, healthy childhoods and just inherit, inherit OCD. Or people can, you know, become that way from other things. But, but uh, when I see somebody like that, and they and they've tried medicines, and, and the main reason that they haven't worked, they're treatment resistant, 
is uh, because uh, they thought they had side effects. They're, they're not making it up. They're not lying, but they're so afraid of taking uh, a pill that they get real anxious when they take one and they yeah. think that's the side effect of the medicine. And so when I persuade them to, to uh, go real slow, sometimes I tell them, lick the tablet the first two days. <laughs> Don't even need any, just lick it for two days. And then, and then I told somebody that uh, yesterday, I, I told them to get a pill cutter and chop this, chop that pill into eight pieces <laughs> no that was today today i told somebody that i said chop that pill and uh and and, and you'll meet that person uh tomorrow grant <laughs> you know but anyway yeah, yeah. i said chop that <laughs> chop that pill into eight pieces and just take one eighth of it tonight you know mm-hmm. if you don't have any side effects tomorrow then then take a fourth of it the next night and if you have any side effects keep taking an eighth until they go away and then take a fourth and yeah. i have them work their way up real slow and then, and then they feel so much better though, once they, you know, so I, I, I'll joke with them and, you know, and, and tease them and stuff and, and, uh, and be friendly with them and to the point where they feel more comfortable with me and they're willing to risk it. And then when they feel better, sometimes they're the ones that say, well, I think I need one, a medicine for this, a medicine for that. And, and you know, <laughs> sometimes I have to talk them out of taking, taking more, but, but, uh, that's, that's really rewarding when, when we see that happen, which does happen a lot. And, uh, yeah. There's some patients where they, you know, they've tried a bunch of different antidepressants and and they haven't worked. And and, and I give them one of the newer ones, like like uh, the one uh, Grant mentioned. Uh, what was that, Trintilix or? Uh, yeah, Trintilix. Yeah. Um, Trintilix, yeah, like Trintilix or some of the newer ones. Um, and uh, and 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 they they'll work great. You know, most of the time they'll work great. Vibrid, Trintilix, Fetvima. What uh, one of one. Uh, medicine that's been out a while that's generic now that works great most of the time is Crispeak mm, um, because uh, no, if you get that gene <laughs> test the gene test tells you which ones uh, you know that that'll be better for you with your set of genes and uh, Grant correct me you know more about the gene test than I do but uh, isn't Crispeak one that agrees with everybody's genes or it does. It does. it's already the active what's called the active metabolite so it's already it does not have to process through the liver which is where we get a lot of the genetic variations um, a lot of times but it is already the active drug so if we did a hundred out of a hundred genetic testing it will all come back that everybody metabolizes it great so oh my gosh yeah. that's amazing yeah. wow so if you can't afford a genetic test take proceed there you go you go to proceed they never tried it that's absolutely a thing to do it works yeah. great most of the time. Yeah. Well, Grant, how about you? I want you to answer that question about how it feels for you from your uh, side, and yeah. then I want, and then I'd love you to dip into why did you pick this as a profession? Uh, like, what is the reason? So it, go it, ahead. Well, it's it absolutely why I do what I do. It is um, such a uh, blessing to get to help people when uh, they are so depressed and they don't want to live, or they're just not. Um, functioning well and to and just to see you can see when they come in and they have nothing left nothing left in their eyes and then the next time they come back and if the medicines work you can just Im- immediately tell um just the, there's some something behind the eyes and just to see the spirit lifted and um mm-hmm. it is just one of the most rewarding things you know, oh, it, it's incredible to um, when somebody, whether they haven't been on anything and there's so much fear about taking medicine and what is it going to do? Is it going right. to change me? And, you know, um, and then, you know, getting to walk them through that process of helping them understand how the medicine works and 
um, what how depression, what that does in the brain, and working through all the the science behind it in a in a way that's understandable, and then and then get, helping them to feel comfortable about taking something and helping them understand that if they have side effects or not, you know, they're not going to be permanent. We'll we'll stop we'll stop the medicine. We'll it'll go away. And having right. them come back and and just to see the depression lifted is is just um yeah it is the best it's the best and and I think that you know I, I came into psychiatry because um you know I've suffered from anxiety and um things like that growing up I was a very anxious child and you know I've, I've gone through it and able to empathize and um right. and you know I see how medicine counseling and all of those things have changed my life and um absolutely knew that that's what I felt you know I felt mine was absolutely a calling from from God but um just felt like uh, this is absolutely what I want to do for the rest of my life is um, help people because I know the um, benefits of help and and what it's like and what a difference it makes. Absolutely. What a huge difference it makes. Let's talk about low grade depression, dysthymia. So that's something I, I, the, the only official diagnosis I've ever been given is dysthymia. There have been other things, you know, batted around, but nothing was ever put into an electronic health record other than that, which I thought was interesting. And so let's talk about, you know, what that is, because a lot of people um, do suffer from that. And they just kind of, I don't take that diagnosis and that manner um, lightly. I don't want to live in that. And so I will do the therapy. I'll take the medication, whatever, to not be in that. But there are people that just go, this is just, you know, I'm just kind of an Eeyore person. And um, this is my life every day. And I'm just going to bear that cross. So how, let's start with you, Paul. How do you, what What are your thoughts, you know, about what that is and okay. and why people just okay. kind of allow that to continue? Yeah, I ask, I ask, well, a lot of people think it's normal to be somewhat depressed. So they, they, you know, they just live live with it their whole lives. And and then when they finally get over it, they can't believe they missed out on that for 40 years. But uh, (laughs) I ask people like uh, in in those of you listening to us right now and our listening family on a scale of one to 10, if 10 is bliss, absolute bliss, and one is uh, you're you're planning on jumping off a cliff in an hour and uh, in five is, uh, the average amount of happiness that you would guess that the average American has or, or your, or, or other, we, we have people from 170 countries so <laughs> that listen to the, that download this. So people from any nation, you don't have to be an American, but, but, uh, the, the average person, uh, uh, that, you know, your friends, you know, your relatives, um, would be a five. Are, are, are you a little happier than, than, uh, you know, I had a patient, I asked that today and on the medic medicine, she says, I'm a seven or an eight now. And, uh, but, but I ask people, where are you on that scale? And if they're about a four or a three, uh, you know, they're always sadder, a little bit sadder than average. And, uh, but, but they're not suicidal. They're still able to function. They mm-hmm. just feel the blahs, you know, all, most days, uh, they'll feel, feel the blahs and feel a little bit of sadness and, and it just doesn't seem to go away. And that's dysthymia. Right. Um, and, and for some people it'll, come and go in waves and other people just are born that way and stay that way. And again, what's happening is, uh, um, we, uh, we eat tryptophan in our diet. B6 carries it in the brain, turns it into serotonin. Serotonin gives you joy and, uh, norepinephrine does too. But, 
And then uh, we have reuptake sites that suck up the old serotonin in the brain to replace it with the new. And if you inherited reuptake sites that just suck up a little bit too much, and instead of having an average amount of happiness, you're going to have less than an average amount of happiness, and uh, and you're going to be dysthymic. And now some people are dysthymic because they grew up in, uh, um, you know, they just they learned to think negatively because their childhood was abusive and things like that. So it's not always genetic, but right. lots of times it is. When when from birth on, you just feel uh, some degree of sadness. And again. Um, if it is genetic, then no amount of counseling will make that go away. Uh, but if you get on a, an antidepressant, and each antidepressant works uh, about three or four times. So um, the ads, I just was sitting here doing some math. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. The odds that you'd have six antidepressants in a row that wouldn't work are one chance in 16,384. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's extremely rare that somebody won't eventually uh, get over it. Not, you know, one out of four at the end, you have to try it for a month, you know, and, and if, and if you're not, if, if you're not any better then you got to try another one for a month. So it does take patience sometimes, but, yes. but if people get on an antidepressant that have dysthymia, then, then they'll feel happier uh, or at least as happy as the average person ought to be at least a five. Yeah. I want to go for a 10 every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's, that's heaven. <laughs> I know. I want to reach at much. least some level of closeness to that, at least some of the time. I like my home to be there, and vaca- vacation is the the you know because that's normal. You know, you want your resting place that you live eighty percent of the time to be pretty darn happy. And yeah, the one, other one other thing, one, one other <laughs> thing is that uh, if you have a bipolar relative, uh, like again, I saw so many people today. Grant, I'm wore out. I'm still here at the office. <laughs> I'm doing this <laughs> podcast from the office, and, uh, and I'll probably Devotion be here another hour after I get done. I saw your, uh, I saw your uh, car uh, was still there when I left, so I knew you were yeah. having a long day. But, but uh, I had a patient today that um, had tried different medications and, uh, and with another doctor, and none of them worked. And she came over to, to see me, and, and, uh, and, and uh, I asked her questions about uh, bipolar, and she didn't have it, but she's got a couple of relatives that do like a sister and an aunt that do have bipolar. And so I said, well, that's the reason that the antidepressants didn't work. If you like, if everybody had 10 bipolar genes, but you needed 40 for it to show up. If you have a bipolar relative, you might have 20 instead of 10. And so you might have more, be more prone to depression or, or more resistant uh, medications or things like that. And um, so I said, if you take a, a mood stabilizer with it, then the antidepressant will work. So I put her on Lamictal, which is a, you know, I think one of the best, but, but there's a lot, there's a, a number of other ones too. And, and so if you add a if somebody has a bipolar relative, then uh, an antidepressant may not work. And, and that might be the reason why none of them have worked. And if you got on a mood stabilizer with it, then, uh, then, then it would probably uh, work just fine. Mm-hmm. What are some mood stabilizers, Grant? What? Um, Trileptal's one. Um, they're, that, that trileptal and lamictal are good because you don't really have to you don't have to check levels of the drug. You do sometimes want to yeah. get blood work, but you don't have to get a therapeutic level of the medication. Um, but there's uh, there's others, but those are the two that I tend to use in that example yeah. that you're giving, Doctor Meyer. Yeah, trileptal. Do yeah. Grant, do you think do you think that atypicals like 
uh, you know, Seroquel and uh, Geodon and and those uh, would be equivalent to a mood stabilizer too, because it seems like they also um, help people. That I think that they definitely help. I don't, you know, equivalency. I, that would be technically speaking. I don't know if it works out completely like that, but but often, you know, if I'm thinking the same thing, and maybe I don't want to wait on Lamictal because it takes so long to get to a therapeutic dose, I will absolutely yeah. add something like you know, Abilify, Geodon, um, Seroquel, some of those medicines to to see if that's not the missing component for sure, because those yeah. can make all well, the, the difference new, in the world. Or the new ones, uh, Braylar and Rick Salty. Braylar, like, Rick uh, Salty, I love two. both of those a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very limited, very good side effect profile. A lot of the, the newer the newer medications, yeah. they're just as we're finding more and more things out, we really targeting the receptors that cause the side effects, and they're not hitting those, which is awesome, but, um, you know, for the, the drugs that are coming out on the market, so. It's It's kind of amazing what's available today. I mean, you know, I'm 48 and I know, Paul, you laugh because I'm that's like youngster to you. You're just a child. I'm just a child, exactly. I'm 73. (laughs) You're you're just barely old enough to be my grandchild. (laughs) No, I guess maybe my daughter. (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. But when you know when I first was being talked to about antidepressants, there was Prozac. That was like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prozac works yeah. great. Yeah, it's a good it's one. It's still been a around very for good drug. Forty-five, fifty years. Yeah. yeah, it didn't work for me. Prozac and Zoloft made me. It did that thing that they do where you. It's the absence of your depression that you notice. Um, but then it lasted two weeks, and then I just tanked. Yeah, poop out real quick. Poops out real quick. Yeah. So let's close with that. You know, that can be very difficult for a patient. I know it was very difficult for me. And I've I've definitely talked to other um, people, you know, on the show that have said, you know, they, they finally feel for a moment in time what it's like to not be depressed. And then the medication poops out and they really have a hard time rebounding from that. So Grant, what do you, what do you, is there a term for that or how do you yeah, well, handle actually, that? So the medical term is called tachyphylaxis, mm. um, the, but it actually, that. yeah, the, the actual um, call, came I from, call it poop out, you know? yeah, well, it came from Prozac, I believe it was, they called it Prozac poop out, mm. um, was where it initiated. Um, but, you know, it, from our end, uh, I don't say it's simple, but, you know, it, it stinks on the patient's end, right? Because, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel better. And then the medicine just tanks. Sometimes. Yeah. We will see that when something started in a primary care and there's no follow-up, not on primary care. I'm not blaming anybody, but just primary care will start a drug and then they are just like, all right, we'll family see you in six months. And yeah, family yeah. doctor. And then, you know, I always say, hey, Put them on five milligrams when you need 20. <laughs> or, or even 20. And it worked initially. You know, did it work at first? Yeah. Yes, it really did for the first several months or whatever. It worked great. Sometimes they just need a bump in the dose and that can make all the yeah. difference in the world. Um, right. if that doesn't work, then we will switch it and we'll try a different class. We'll, if, you know, we were talking about the SSRIs and the SNRIs earlier, we'll switch them to a Pristique. And, and sometimes that's exactly what they need. They just need a different molecule, a molecule that the brain doesn't know and doesn't recognize mm-hmm. and that can make all the difference in the world. But it, I know Grant's it has right. got to be frustrating. Grant, Grant's patient. right, uh, Kristen, that, uh, when, uh, most of the time, if there's a medicine that worked for, uh, um, a couple straight years or, you know, or even for a few months or, or whatever, if there's a medicine that worked and then it poops out, 
most of the time, if you bump up the dose, it'll keep working, and then they can stay at that dose. It doesn't need to keep getting bumped up. Yeah, you don't have to keep doing it. Bump it up to the next dose, and usually it'll work and keep working the rest of their lives. But well, that and if it the... doesn't, yeah, and, and a lot yeah. of people miss that. You know, they so you know I, I always would bump up the dose first, and then if they feel you know they're a five, but they want to be a six or a seven, then and uh, adding a little uh, Abilify or Braylar or you know one of those atypical antipsychotics to it will often give them the rest away. But then uh, if that still doesn't work, then then try it. Then I would try a completely different uh, antidepressant. Well, that's the the nice piece of of you know that there's just so much more out there now too because you know I had an issue with high blood pressure from taking I think it was Effexor. It isn't pristine, yeah, yeah. like the the newer yeah. version yeah. of Effexor with stuff, yes, the stuff is. that, okay, so, so yeah, it was really good for, I, I was taking the max dose and they were like, listen, you're, you know, you're not even hypertension anymore. You can't take this anymore. And, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? This is the only thing that has ever worked for me. And thank goodness Pristique came out and Pristique, you know, is missing those things that cause that. So I don't have that issue. So sometimes it's just... You know, the, the technology's there, the study is there, because we're just, like you said, every five years we see this huge growth in knowledge around this. And so there may be something else there where some of those bad side effects have been stripped out of it to make a, a, a drug that, you know, you can take in the same class. Am I saying all that right have, since I'm not a psychiatrist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if, you, if, if any of you uh, take an antidepressant and for some reason it just makes you, maybe it makes you happier but you feel numb, you just don't feel like yourself, you just sort of feel like a zombie or you feel like a happy zombie, then you need to switch because it yeah. usually doesn't, it's not supposed to do that. Really uh, you need, you need to take one that'll make you feel yourself in, in right. the real yeah. you, but you at your best. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you. I know we, we've done these shows, but every time we do them, people literally just soak in this kind of information and you guys kind of you know laugh about what well, we're getting too technical but I'm telling you people will write in and say I wrote it down I stopped the podcast I wrote what they said because <laughs> they're hungry for that knowledge and um and they're hungry from it you know from people that they trust and since they listen to these shows they're hearing your voices they trust you so thank you so much for coming on tonight and and talking about depression and you know, when it's useful to add medication and when maybe it isn't. Exciting to do this because uh, we know, you know, thousands of people will be, will be helped. Uh, Absolutely. Just what we've talked about this past hour and that's very, very rewarding. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in again for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.